Welcome, everybody, back to Bit About Crypto. I'm David James, the Job Whisperer, and what we do on this show is we explain through human interest stories uh, on what crypto is, what blockchain is, what NFTs are, and how they're actually changing the job market. And I am, as always, uh, accompanied by my faithful co-host, robo-recruiter Dave Hampton. Talk about it. How's it going? What have you been up to, man? Uh, celebrated uh, my wife's birthday. All right. Yeah, yeah, every year. You celebrated that birthday with her last year, too, right? That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay, yeah. I Just a popular theme every year with you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the show, a bit about crypto. What we are is we are um, a recruiting firm, blockchain recruiters, and we, um, we aggregate candidates in the blockchain space, NFT, blockchain developers, community managers, portfolio managers, art. Uh, appraisers now, all this kind of stuff. And so if you are a candidate, right, and, or you're somebody who has a passion for the blockchain space and you want to work in it, then you need to find me. I'm at the BTC recruiter. That's how you find David James, at the BTC recruiter. Or if you want to go old school and send a resume and a cover letter about what your heart desires in the crypto space, then you should email me at davidj at blockchainrecruiters.net. So if you actually have uh, a real cool project and you need some really, really good people, <clears throat> then you need to call us. And so you all out there in the universe, in the ethos, in the metasphere, you know who you are and you know that you just got funded and you can't find the people. And I would rather light a candle and curse your darkness because we have them, don't we, David? Yes, we do. So anyhow, moving on. I. We talk in general concepts about things. And it's funny because I, I had a concept that I was thinking about this week. And if everything continues to depreciate like stocks and real estates, and it goes down by 30%, I'm saying that if stocks and real estate go down by 30%, then all that money that used to go into stocks and real estate will go into crypto, right? And... Um, if the Federal Reserve continues to print money like they are in the bubble, <clears throat> all that money also will go in and will probably bail out into Bitcoin, right? Don't hold me back about which crypto it's going to go to. It's Bitcoin, right? <clears throat> and Bitcoin will be the thing that's bigger than anything else, right? Everyone says, yeah, Bitcoin, 5 million in 10 years, 50 billion or whatever it's going to be, right? <clears throat> and it will be the thing supreme, right? And the reason it'll be the thing supreme is because everybody believes in it, unless something else comes out that actually could be more mass adopted and more mass accepted by, by the, the population, the 90% of the population that are disenfranchised, disenfranchised that were driven crypto first. And that thing in my mind would be NFTs. NFTs. NFTs, right. It was a thought I was having. <clears throat> now, when I first heard about NFTs, I was thinking to myself, yeah, I think you better be better, you're better off selling than buying because I just couldn't see it, right? But then again, when it's like Bitcoin. When you first look at Bitcoin, you can't see it, but once you see it, can't, can't look, look away. away. That's right. So anyhow, <clears throat> and I, of course, have changed my opinion, and I think NFTs are a worldwide game changer. Kind of like Albert Einstein said. He didn't say it this way, but I'm going to paraphrase it. 
the level of thinking that got us from where we were to where we are is not going to get us from where we are to where we need to be. Right? There had to be, there had to be a, a generational change. You know, and, and for me, the funny thing about it is I told you this. I went to work 11 years ago. After the recession, I was a recruiter. And, you know, if you thought it was hard getting a job during the Great uh, Recession, imagine how hard it was getting paid to get someone to get a job, right? So I went to work at a place called Metal Mobile. <clears throat> and I realized that this was a situation where I was the oldest person there, and I was also the dumbest. And I literally say that because I was watching all these young kids with such these bright ideas. And at that time, we were only talking about mobile, right? And because of, of these young kids, I was able to speak, you know, as like a 45-year-old, 47-year-old, whatever I was at the time, 48-year-old, about mobile in a way that people didn't understand. Back in the time when the LA Times were saying, so why do we need an app again? Right? Literally, Time Magazine said, so why are we going to need this app thing? And we would have to explain it to them. <clears throat> But one of the, the great things that I actually learned, I made a conscious decision that I actually was going to listen to these younger people, right, who are just seeing things different. These, these, these kids that were raised with technology, that they were raised with technology. Me, at my age, born in 1964, right, <clears throat> um, technology was forced on me, right? And I just decided right then and there in 2011 that I was going to become my kids and not become my parents, Right? I was going to go the opposite direction. I was going to set that change. So when I, I heard about Bitcoin a couple of years ago, or a couple of years after that, sorry, I started to listen and pay attention. And so <clears throat> I, I got in a situation, David, where I started like thinking I knew too much. Right? Problem was that I didn't know enough. It was that I knew too much. And I was kind of like finding myself dismissing NFTs, and I totally changed that. I had a conversation with a young lady <clears throat> a few weeks back. And uh, she was talking to me about her life and the fact she's a photographer by trade. And she was telling me that she actually had been uh, bequeathed a couple of NFTs, which were worth a certain amount of Ethereum, right? I'm not going to like dox the amounts that she told me. I'll let her tell her that herself if she wishes. And she was saying that to me and I was listening. I was just listening to her story, right? Because, you know, she's, she's kind of a... She's, she's an NFT herself, definitely an NFT, because there's no fungibility to this chick, mm -hmm. right? And she's really fascinating, and she's multifaceted, and she's, she's highly opinionated in her beliefs. And so with no further ado, I would like to welcome this week's guest, Ms. Tracy Lee. Hi, guys. Oh, wow. It really is gone. <laughs> My mm -hmm. voice. It's been a long weekend. Yeah, you were at the Electric Daisy Carnival last, oh, uh, last four you know, days. Front you know what's show. really funny? I got invited to go, um, and I've never been. I've been to plenty of raves when I was a teenager, but I've never been, and my friend wanted me to go, and I was like, the only way I'll ever go to EDC is if I get a, given a ticket, and so I was given a ticket. Somehow. How, how long ago? She, well, she uh, she hit me up at 1 a.m. on Wednesday night and said, do you want to go tomorrow? So I'm thinking Friday. She was talking Thursday. And so I didn't end up going because I was busy Thursday. So I lost my opportunity. As in, like 48 hours ago, you were in the possession of an EDC. That's Electric Daisy Carnival for those of you who have been in a cave or playing the home game. Right? Yeah. And so what's crazy is um, Coinbase just announced their NFT platform. And they did that probably about two weeks ago. They did an entire um, section at EDC that was an NFT garden, I guess, mm -hmm. where they had NFTs on display. I didn't see it. You know, I don't know what it looks like, but they had NFTs on display. 
and they also were giving away, they had hidden NFTs that you could find. So that is all fascinating to me. Well, hold on a second. Yeah. It's fascinating. Hold on a second. Let's let's just talk about a little bit about where this fascination. Sorry, let's let's reel her back a bit. Don't Sorry, you, David? Don't we you you threw me in the you know threw me to the wolves with yeah, the EDC thing. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 gonna layer this in. Okay, so, back up. So back up. let's. Uh, I I have it on good authority that you actually were born in the Caribbean. Is that accurate? I was born in. Ironically, born in the Cayman Islands of all places. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why, why do you call that ironic? I mean, it's just. A lot of people hide money there, right? Yeah. And I mean, we're we're talking about, you know, decentralized banking here. So I mean, I don't think they hide it there. I think they keep it there with a good sense that nobody else will come and take it. I I I don't know. There's much hiding to it. I think there's semantics that you get you're playing on right yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. word so, games at this point. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, so you are your your name is Tracy Lee, yes. and so I'm assuming your father is Korean, correct? And your mom. Why did you assume my father is Korean? Well, that is both. correct. The last name last Lee. Na last name oh, yeah, Lee. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. That was stupid. Yeah. But everybody usually assumes that it's my uh, mom that was Korean, and then I had a a military dad. So that's yeah. why. Also named Lee. Yeah, correct. Right. Right. Yeah. They both had the name Lee. They're like, oh, we have the same last name. And, and Let's what, get married. What about so your father was an actual Korean? Mm -hmm. And your mom? Uh, she's from Chicago. She's Hungarian and Russian, so... I'm quite the mix. Yeah. And so how did they how did they find themselves to the Cayman Islands? <laughs> they met in Jamaica. My mom had like way before Tinder and Bumble, I don't know, she was on a trip to Jamaica, met some guy out there and ended up moving to Jamaica and teaching English out there. And then that didn't work out and she met my dad, maybe she was teaching him English. <laughs> I have no idea. I never asked that. That's a good question. I got to ask that now. Do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have an older brother and a younger sister. Uh, also born in the Cayman Islands? No, my sister was born in Houston. Mm. She had an allergic reaction in the hospital when she had me. So we ended up in Houston two weeks after I was born. And my brother is a half brother who actually only recently in the last five years have gotten in touch with again. So on your mom's side? On my father's side. On your father's side. Yep. Okay. Yep. Interesting. So, so you, did you grow up in the Cayman Islands? Oh no, we moved. No, to Houston. I we moved, moved to Houston, Houston so after you were born. Yep, okay, lived in Houston and then uh, moved to Sacramento. So I hold on a second. How long did you live in Houston? Eight years. Okay, so third grade. Yep. Then you go to Sacramento. Yeah, fourth talk, grade in Sacramento. Talk about your socioeconomics in your life in Sacramento. Um, I was blissfully ignorant to politics. My mom was very liberal, but I just had no idea. I grew up. My mom teaching me that I can do anything the boys can. So I, you know, was total tomboy. I mean, still am a tomboy, to tell you the truth. Um, I just don't look like one anymore. Uh, yeah, you do. Yeah, do you I? Do. Yeah, well, yeah, I, well, you, I you, mean, kind of. You like, rock uh, that hat and that blue hair, right? The, the yeah. vibe. I get the, yeah, vibe. Yeah, the vibe. It's I like, the vibe, yeah, I, would, so. I wouldn't mess with you. <laughs> okay, that's good. Right. So go on. Um, and uh, I just, I mean, I skateboarded, snowboarded, I did, started doing photography and um, got into raving. Like I said, I used to go raving all the time. Not anymore. So, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what else you... No, no, no. So basically, so in high school, uh, did you do any sports? Oh, I was a swimmer and diver in high school. Okay, all four years? Uh, probably three. Oh, I did, uh, did water polo a little bit as well. Wait, wait, wait. You played on the boys' team? It was co-ed. Oh, oh, it was? Okay. It was co-ed, yeah. yeah. See, see how old I am? <laughs> There was no co-ed water polo, and I was there was no yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, I only did that for a little bit. My mom didn't want me to get hurt, so. Uh huh. 
And so when you graduated high school, you decide where is your, your, your mind and your energy taking you? Oh, wow. I just, I just always get involved in all different stuff. So I got involved in, um, creating a nightlife website and at 18. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I started going to clubs when I was 14 years old. Oh, we have no doubt about that. Yeah. I started going to clubs early. So I had all the connects and all the contacts. I'm like a super networker. So, and I started college at 15. So I was, I was going to a community college at age 15. Well, hold on a second. I think you told me once that you played the violin. I played the violin from fourth grade to 10th grade or so, 11th grade maybe. Yeah. I played violin. And um, I hated my I hated my orchestra teacher. Can you still play the violin? Could you pick it up and play it? Um, so I have a cello. So I played violin for about five years and then played cello as well. Um, I could probably play it a little bit, but not. It just doesn't call. It hasn't called you, right? No, I went and bought and I bought a cello a couple years back because I wanted to learn to play again. And I thought actually during. Um, during shutdown, during the pandemic shutdown, I thought that I would have time to start playing the cello again. And I somehow started making masks for healthcare workers. So I got 16, 18 hours a day sewing masks and then running out to all the hospitals and donating them. I got really busy. Slow and down. Slow down. That, that, that's of interest. Talk about that. What do you want me to say? Yeah, no. So, like, what was the idea? Did it start with one for a friend? Did it start with ten? I mean, oh, I made myself one, right? you know, because they're they're talking about masks, and I was like, oh, I got my sewing machine here. Let's make one, and made one, and I was like, okay, I can make a few more, and just um, turned out that my best friend ended up starting to make masks too, and we just did this on our own, her and her family, and then me at home, and. We just started doing it together, and even though remotely together. And you, and you were called to this need to, like, hey, I've made 10, and I'm giving them here, I've made 20. And- yeah, I started, um, through social media, started finding hospitals to donate to, and um, she and I would meet up at the hospitals and, 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 you know, meet up outside, and we never went inside the hospitals, but we met up with different nurses we became friends with. I'm still friends with one of them, talk to her all the time, uh-huh. so... Yeah. So, so no no cello during the, the COVID, I wanted to. That's what I, I thought. I thought I would do that. Well, your heart was in the right place, right? Right, right. So I ended up donating masks. And, and we ended up starting to sell them, too. I've, I've become really good at finding things I'm passionate about and making it into a business. So. Okay, so you were passionate about masks. Weren't yeah. passionate about violin. I, I mean, I was. I, I, went, I, went, I went and bought a cello because I really wanted to play cello and... It's just the mass took over. So so one passion was stronger than the other, mm-hmm. right? And let's talk about photography. Okay. Right? So you're a photographer? Yes. Right? And, and, and uh, yeah, you, you skipped over that stuff, right? So talk- There's so much. I, I, I really do a lot, so there's okay. a lot to talk about. So, so you uh, were a, a ringside UFC fight photographer, correct? Before that, Kate, I, I, I shot, like growing up, I shot sn- skate and snowboard and then I came to Vegas, did nightlife photography, and while I was doing nightlife photography, every time I shot uh, a f- after fight after party, the traffic would go through the roof, and I had already become friends with a number of the fighters, and so I started wanting to shoot cage side, which at the time, you know, it wasn't it wasn't overwhelming like there it was ESPN wasn't involved, and you know, um, they hadn't sold the UFC to, what is it? 
I forget the WMC. What's the name? Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't I forget know. the name I, of the group know. right it's now. Something. Uh, no, it's not Weinstein. Something, our, something our producer, John Orlando, would know. Yeah, he would right. know for sure because he's a huge, huge UFC fan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I started. Um, and John Orlando is a friend of Dana White. Correct. <clears throat> I saw Dana actually two nights ago. Yeah. John Orlando is a friend of everybody. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. The question is. Uh, is he your friend? Yeah, he's my friend. <laughs> no, no, but that's that's the question right, 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 you right, ask, right? right? Yeah, yeah, he knows so, everybody. Yeah, he really does. He's 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 amazing. Uh, anyhow, so you also um, <clears throat> so your photography. When did it start? Like, did, when did you first pick up a camera and start doing it? Um, I'd say about fifteen or sixteen. It okay. wasn't like I was five or something and started doing it, but I, I've been doing it pretty much my whole life. And then when did you start getting paid for it? Like, like, hey, this is my business. This is what I do. Oh, um, I think somewhere in the process of living here and doing nightlife. I mean, I moved out here to do my nightlife website. So I'd say, oh, my God, I don't even know, 15 years ago, wow. something, something like that. Uh -huh. So I've been doing photography and getting paid for it for quite some time. And um, I just create jobs for myself. I do. I, right. I love it. So, I mean, same thing with NFTs. I was like, okay. You said, I'm gonna sell NFTs. You, you said we're gonna come back in a second. So you you said uh, you were uh, ignorant to politics when you were mm -hmm. a kid. I don't think that's the case anymore. No, not at all. Right. So when what was your genesis to paying attention to the political sphere and where you? I would say that shooting firearms was a big change for me. Well, when did that start? Um. So I started shooting firearms. About 2009, but when I actually started training in 2015. So I used to take all the UFC fighters to um, the gun range because I got to shoot for free when I brought them out and they would post on their Twitter and their social media. Oh, nice. So, um, you know, I, I started, you know, helping throw autograph signings and doing all that stuff. But that was just me with a range officer over my shoulder, you know, shooting two magazines and that was it. It was somewhere around 2015 that I took my first class and got my CCW. And um, tell the audience what that is. Um, my concealed carry permit, and okay. um, I then, you know, started wanting to actually train. And then I created its own separate Instagram um, because I was shooting guns so much. I felt like I was scaring people with some of the content that I was putting out that weren't so. Gun friendly, two A friendly, and were you scaring people? I mean, some people were getting offended by it. I definitely lost uh, followers. Uh, oh, that's offended is not the same thing as scared. It is sometimes they were offended by it because they didn't understand. It okay, they were scared by it. All right. Well, when you get scared, it's like, hey, this this woman's gonna like we're gonna see her on the news based on guns. That's what I. Uh, I'm that's sure. I I have scared guys away with the, the amount of firearms I'm, I have and I'm into. So. Okay, so um, so you so you're a you're a photographer. So pr pretty much, so so if I was to say to you, if I was to like meet you at a cocktail party, I don't think they have those anymore. But if we were to be at a cocktail party, you know, I was to say, hey, what do you do? Because that's something I, David, we ask everybody that, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah, we, every we're recruiters. It's, it's of interest, you know. It, it leads into different paths, and it's always the story behind what people do is always of interest. I tend to leave the gun part of it out. Um, and that's because uh, where I make most of my money is usually in um, social media consulting and um, photography. And so these two things, social media, uh, 
consulting and photography. These are just natural passions you had, and you just found a way to monetize them, correct? correct? Right? So how'd you get your first gig uh, ringside at the UFC? How'd you, how'd you pull that off? So I already had a partnership for, um, with a magazine that did nightlife um, around Southern California, and they wanted photos of Vegas nightlife. So I was already doing that. Um, then they were like, hey, we can get you, we can get you in to shoot the UFC. We have a, a great relationships with them. And like I said, that was before, you know, a lot of major media had gotten involved. It was still up and coming. So I started getting press passes through that magazine. So when you actually were in there shooting, uh, shooting photography, <laughs> shooting right? photos, yes. shooting, shooting photos Correct. of the UFC fighters, was that... Um, you didn't get paid by the UFC at the time, correct? No, um, that actually I did for this magazine. Okay. And then eventually I started shooting, actually, ironically, I started shooting for foxnews.com, cage oh. side, and then eventually for Yahoo Sports. Okay, and then the, these were paid gigs. Correct. Right? Okay. So did you actually, would you actually make arrangements, or not arrangements, but you'd go to the fighters afterwards and say, hey, I've got these photos of you, do you want to... Oh, UFC has a very strong grip on the photos and what you're allowed to do with them as media. So, no, I wasn't able okay, to Okay, tell, tell, tell our audience about that because I didn't know that. Yeah, um, every time I, I would have to apply every single fight for a credential. So I wasn't guaranteed every fight. So when you travel internationally, you better hope you're going to get mm. verified on those credentials. But, yeah, and, um, and if you do something sketchy with a photo, you're done. Correct. Dan, 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 yeah, very, Dan, very, Dana's got that steel hand that he Very runs, strict right? about and, it. And good for him. He's protecting his brand. I get it. Right. right? So, um, yeah, I wasn't allowed to do anything with the photos except for what I was credentialed for. Yeah, so you couldn't, like, sell them off the side, posters at the swap meet, none of that. No. None of that. And no. you, could, you couldn't even give them to the actual fighters, could you? No, they're not allowed to have those. Like if they take a photo that they've taken off of someone's um, some media website and then they start using it, they could get in trouble for that. Wow. So so basically, if you can't fight, even the, own their own image. Well, if you fight, the no, U, if UFC you, owns their yeah, their yeah. likeness rights. Yeah, that's probably uh, in the contract. And then they okay. sign that away. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. All right. That was actually a huge argument back. Tito, Tito Ortiz. I Many think. of the fighters, yeah. they signed their likeness rights away and they didn't realize it. Right. Around the time when the video game happened. Yeah, well, th this is this is important the concept that we're talking about for, for where we're going in this conversation. Correct. Yeah. I, I've yeah. actually talked to lawyers on this um, having to do with NFTs. You know, well, before we get to the NFTs, talk yeah. about the li likeness in these fighters. And so um, they had to sign their likeness rights away in perpetuity if they went on the Ultimate Fighter or if they went on the video game. They signed those rights away, and it was a big, nuts. yeah. So their family money. couldn't own that either. A lot of money. I, you know, tell you the truth. At the end of the day, I don't know what ended up, like the end result of all of that, because there was a lot of fights back and forth. So I don't know if they still own those likeness rights, like full on in perpetuity, or if that changed. Yeah, it's funny because if I was Dana White, because you have to get to, Dana White, he he. He's got an amazing story. In a lot of ways, he's like uh, Henry Ford, right? I mean, he wasn't even allowed to get a fight license, and he had to fight in places like Alabama. This was like 30 years ago, right? Or, or further than that, like when, like right around the time you were two, right? He would have to get a license in Alabama. And we'd have these fights, and you'd see them on these, like, these off 
beat cable shows of these guys fighting. And it's like, that can't be illegal. And congressmen were trying to get it outlawed. So for what it's worth, Dana was the one that pioneered that all the way to what it is today. We have to give Mark Ratner a lot of credit, though, yeah, too. That's because correct. he's the one from the Nevada State Athletic Commission that fought in so many different states for mm. um, MMA to be legalized. Yeah. And really what Dana, Dana White did is he made, like, boxing. Don King, Bob Arum, right? All, all that, Steve Wynn, all those types of boxing promote. He, he rendered it inert. Right, because it's like, yeah, oh, they, they still have that, right? Because it's like, it's kind of like, you know, from crypto to NFTs, it's, they've stepped up the game. So you recently, uh, so I'm going to ask you this question as I ask all my guests. How did crypto find you? Oh, um, so do you remember 2017 Christmas? Very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Christmas, everybody. <laughs> I was bleeding to death. <laughs> everybody was talking about um, crypto during that time, and you know, I had heard about it, and I, I called Bitcoin fake money. I didn't understand it. I was just like, they just made up some money, and I don't get it. I don't understand it. So in um, December of 2017, everybody was investing. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to invest, you know, 1000 or $1,500. So I did. I bought a bunch of um, I bought Bitcoin. Not a bunch. I bought a little bit. You know, that's it's all, not a it's lot. all relative, right? right. So I bought Bitcoin and I bought um, Ethereum and I bought Litecoin and I bought Cardano and um, Ripple and uh, what else did I buy? Um, Stellar and... Stel Stellar Lumens? Yep. Mm -hmm. And a few others that I just don't remember off the top of my head. But I bought all... Those were all the ones that everybody was talking about. So I bought them. And um, then everything crashed. You know, Bitcoin hit 20,000 and everything crashed or 19,000, whatever. Yeah. And then everything crashed. And I wasn't one that was, I didn't lose faith in it. Even though it was new to me, I didn't lose faith in it. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to leave it, walk away. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometime in the future, it's going to come back around. And it's like, it wasn't some huge loss to me, $1,000, $1,500. It wasn't like some major loss. And I was just like, I'll walk away and I'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I want to talk about uh, disruption. And when I talk about disruption, right, <clears throat> Uber was like really the coolest thing. Everybody loved Uber, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you were a cab driver. Oh, yeah. Then you don't love Uber so much, mm -hmm. right? And everybody loved Amazon, right? Amazon was the coolest thing, unless you had a retail store, right? right. I mean, it, it's all relative on both sides of things, right. right? And everybody loves Bitcoin and crypto, unless you work for a bank, or you're a financial planner, et cetera, et cetera, right? Very, very disruptive. And I'm going to come in and I'm going to talk to you about NFTs in a second. Okay. But I remember talking to, um, <clears throat> as far as, far as it's, it's funny, we're talking about John Orlando, right? The producer of this show, right? Mm -hmm. And he's going to come up with a conversation in another way in this conversation. But he just sent me a text that literally said, I'm going to read it right here on the air. Right? I mean, it's gonna, this is going to be old news uh, when everybody actually gets this podcast. But uh, MasterCard is preparing to announce that any of the thousands of banks and millions of merchants on its payments network can soon integrate crypto into their products. So that was just announced. I send him um, articles all day long. I'm like, look at this. 
look at this. This is changing. This is yeah. Do it all day long. So before we talk about your life and and crypt uh, and NFTs, so the question I'm asking myself. All right. So so Bitcoin. I'm I'm going to just leave it at Bitcoin. Right. Bitcoin is very disruptive to Visa, right? To banks, right? To all the financial institutions, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not counting the financial institutions that are now taking crypto and offering it as some form of offering. So NFT, non-fungible tokens, what do you think the NFT industry is going to disrupt? Uh, Definitely. I mean, I feel like ticketing. I feel like um, there's, I mean, there's so much utility involved in NFTs. Explain explain to our audience a little bit. um, So I hate the definition for NFT and I hate the name non-fungible token okay because i feel like it's a very confusing it is term and every time i hear it you know hear it um described on what an nft is i just hate it because i just i think it's too confusing for people i i describe it as a way to sell items whether they be art which is the main thing right now um but selling items on the blockchain yeah so um Non-fungible tokens, right? It's one thing. Like we had a guest, right? I'll give him a plug, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Rish Lodeker. He's the CEO of... Uh, Super App World. Super, Super World. Super World Super App. World Super App. World App. Yeah. And what they've done is they've, they've mapped the entire globe. Oh, I've heard right? of that. Right? And they, I think it's 640 billion... Six hundred forty yeah, billion yeah. NFTs. Yeah. But what little, you can do is... Plots of- but if I wanted to buy Caesar's Palace, right? Then... I, I've got the rights to hold parties at Caesar's Palace, and Caesar's Palace is probably worth a lot more money than, say, Death Valley, right? I'm just saying, hypothetically. I, I mean, I guess it depends on who you are, because I would find Death Valley a lot more valuable. What, what, I, what I'm saying is it's, yeah. it's all relative yep. as far as, like, monetization, right? And right. it's like, oh, you want to build a hotel on Caesar's Palace property, yep. et cetera, et cetera? Or if you were, like, to take Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium is probably a lot worth a lot more money than say the Hudson Bay as far Correct. as that 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 whole thing. So non fungible tokens, but what's happening is is that it's it's a form of authentication that this is the original thing. Correct. Now there's a lot of people who are saying, hey, this is my art and this is going to be worth something, and I don't know how that's going to fall out. But I think NFTs are going to be very disruptive to say uh, athletics and like what used to be the trading card business, like I. Tops has made the transition over to NFTs. Right, they've been doing. They're actually, it's cool because I, I I have a friend that works in marketing over at Tops, and I hit him up in March, and I said, "Are you guys doing NFTs?" And you know, Tops lost their license to Fanatics for um, baseball this year. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know that now. They did talk about that, and so that was a big deal to an extent because they have seventy years of content that they can put out as NFTs. I think, I don't know what the rules yeah. and laws and but I would think that they have the intellectual property rights to put those out as NFTs. They also have Garbage Pail Kids. And Garbage Pail Kids was their first foray into NFTs. And they had no idea that they would blow up like they did. And they put it on the Wax blockchain, which I'm not a fan of, but um, they put it on the Wax blockchain and it blew up. And now I think they've moved potentially to AVAX. I'm not 100%. So, so a, lot, a lot of our listeners, you're not going to know what that is. But WAX is a, a program where you can actually have put a catalog. Think shopping cart, eBay, Amazon, right? Where you can put all your uh, NFTs, right? Like the shop, right? And WAX 
Wax is uh, it's a programming language as well. Yeah, these are built on like Ethereum, right? I'm not sure what yeah, b- yeah. Wax is. Yeah, all the things that are like NFT the right ERC now, ERC twenty, ERC, they're all ERC twenties now. Of course, you know Cardano. I was gonna say I bought I bought um, NFTs on uh, Cardano. Yeah, well, and uh, I have a friend who was launching one on XRP. Right. Well, you need to remember like that Cardano, Ethereum, right? These are all smart contract blockchains, right? And a smart contract is very simple. It's if this, then that. And and I always go back to the analogy. Explain a smart contract for me. I say, okay, a vending machine, right? In the basement of your office building, a vending machine is looking for smart contracts. If you put the coin in, then I'll give the candy out. Right, that's that's smart contract. So just uh, you guys can discuss that amongst yourself, and you can send me. There's uh, a lot to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's and there's no easy. There's no crash course. You can't go to traffic school. You can't turn in somebody else's homework, right? Uh, to actually qualify to understand it better. But so, <clears throat> I don't know. I think uh, I wanted. To, I want to talk about your walk. In, in some, so you recently, and I don't know how long ago it was. I know it's in the last six months. I'm to believe that you actually sold some of your own photography uh, as NFTs and were paid in, I think, crypto, in the Ethereum. Yes. Right? Yes, Ethereum. I sold um, three of my pieces. Can, but, but, can, can you can you back up and stock from, yeah. Yeah, I was going to do that, actually. So um, I, found, I found NFTs because um, I was back on Clubhouse. So I signed up for Clubhouse in January. It's an app where you can actually essentially do group podcasts that aren't yeah, it's visible blo- you know it's, it's just it's, it's just like radio it's blockchain based uh radio radio right radio and anyone can get on stage and talk and so on and so forth and so they can't turn you off yes yes they can't turn you off um but no they cannot they what, can't clubhouse is on a blockchain i'm under uh, the impression oh no I, I i the people running that particular room that you're in can turn you off oh so yeah but i'm I, talking about like the government can't just just deplatform you I'm under that impression. I, I'm not sure. I didn't uh, know that, that Clubhouse was on the blockchain. I didn't, I well, didn't know you that. You know what? I might be dropping some hearsay here, so sorry, folks. I, I, I'll clean that up. That has to be confirmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can neither confirm nor deny that one. <laughs> okay, so. Um, so I got on Clubhouse in January, and I was like, we have podcasts, and we have Zoom, and we have you know Google Meets, and we have ways to do these with videos, so why are we going back to radio? So I, I walked away from it. Then I came back in about March or April because so many people I knew of were 2021. On, yeah, of this year. So many people I knew were using Clubhouse. And I was like, okay, if I'm a social media consultant, I need to be where everybody is. And um, so I jumped back on Clubhouse. And immediately after I jumped back on Clubhouse, I saw all these rooms that said NFT, NFT. And I'm like, what is an NFT? And I did a Google search and I found NFTs and I'm like, oh my God, how did I never hear of these? And they've been around since 2016. How did I never hear of NFTs? So I started doing my research and I was like, I need to sell my work because that's, that's what I was seeing. People were taking digital work and selling it as NFTs. So what, so you talked about your work, you talked about photography, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And you can't keep any of the uh, UFC stuff. No. So, and of course, if you're a photographer, you don't, you, you don't, you click what you see. You don't click what you, you're paid to see, right? So, Correct. so talk about your work. Uh, so, somewhere after I was done, um, no longer credentialed by the UFC, I um, 
refound the outdoors. I grew up camping and hiking and doing all that with my parents. And um, when I was no longer uh, cage side, I started finding hiking and camping again. And so while I was doing that, I found astrophotography. So I started shooting photos in the night sky. And um, I actually created a, a group and an Instagram and a Facebook group called Milky Way Chasers. Milky that, Way Chasers. Milky Way Chasers. Got and it. that has about 750,000 followers on Instagram currently and about 40,000 on our Facebook group. And so I created my own you know, um, Instagram about that. And I have probably 65,000 followers on that for my own work. And I was like, oh. I want to try and sell my work. 65,000 followers. How long did that take? Um, five years. Wow. That's impressive. So, 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 I mean, I've, I've gone in, you know, it, it ebbs and flows. Sometimes I'm really about it. So I gain a lot more followers faster and sometimes I'm not. Okay. So like I said, I, I am involved in so many different things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Okay, so back to where you sold some work. So tell, tell us about selling your first piece. What did that feel like? It took weeks. From when I first learned about NFTs, I sat there and did research and jumped in every room and tried to jump on stage and ask questions and learn as much as I could because I didn't want to do it wrong. Because, you know, once it's sold, it's sold. You know, if you, I mean, unless you, as one-on-ones, once it's sold, it's sold, you know. I have to re-edit, do a new new photo, or go out and shoot a new photo, however you want to do it. But um, So I didn't want to mess it up. I spent weeks and weeks, and then I actually started, you know, create it. I didn't create it, but I started hanging out with a, a group of people online. So we have all these different private chats, and we talk about NFTs, and we talk about what we need to do, and how to become more successful, and how to market. And in the process of that, you know, Everybody moved to Twitter, of all things. It was a crazy transition because I haven't been on Twitter since 2010 or so. <laughs> you just, yeah, talking about losing passion, huh? Right. It, like, well, no, I mean, it's just like we went from Twitter to Instagram and, you know, spent so much time on Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and now TikTok. It felt weird. I can't to keep go up. Back. It's, I, it's a I, lot. I can't keep my wife. She's, it's a lot. She's great. She, I do. She, I do TikTok too. She rocks them all, but I just. Yep. I mean, to me, going on, on to posting is a burden. It, it it's overwhelming, and yeah. I, I mean, I hacked Instagram. I have twenty five accounts on one phone. I used to carry four phones because you could only have five accounts on each phone. So I carried around four phones. People thought I was crazy. Then I figured out how to hack it. So have them all on one. But yeah, no. Um, Back on Twitter again, and that's been interesting. And then Twitter came out with Twitter Spaces to combat um, Clubhouse, to go against Clubhouse. And I'll tell you that there's a big transition of creatives off of Instagram onto Twitter now. And um, it's really interesting because at the time when we were making this transition, Instagram started making phone calls, and I actually set a um an appointment with instagram and they called me and trying to get me to work on reels which is their big thing to not you know combat you know against tiktok and then the ceo or the marketing vp or whatever announced we are no longer just a photo app we are a you know a, we're doing reels we're a multi-media video app mm. 
And so that was a big transition there too. So there's a lot of creators that have for the most part left Instagram and now are on Twitter and it has a lot to do with NFTs. And I think that the, um, that COVID and the shutdown is a huge part of the reason that NFTs took off at this point in time too. Yeah, the COVID, the COVID shutdowns a whole. I mean, we, we could get that's the, a whole other story. Well, you know, so, so, so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just a, I'm just gonna silver I'm, linings of that. I'm gonna put my 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 son on blast, not in a bad way. He's a good boy. He literally moved up to San Francisco. He just said, "Look, it's time for me to go out on my own," and he goes up there and he moves in into a, uh, an apartment a roommate. You know, he, he's doing the deal. He's paying rent now. He's going to school and he's working as a waiter, right? And then this was then then COVID happened, right? And he came home, right? And the restaurant that he worked at shut down, right? And he says, he says to me, he says, what, what am I going to do? Because, I mean, a, a, as his father and a guy who gets people jobs, he comes to me for that. And I said, <clears throat> you need to stay here until we, we figure out how all this is going to shake out. Yeah. And he started getting the unemployment, which I also like to label as the universal basic income. And he was balling. He had money. Now, the thing about it is, is my, my son Dylan, he is a microcosm of the entire population of the United States, right? <clears throat> and he was, he was buying crypto. I mean, he was, Smart. He, he was telling me, he says, hey, I got some Ethereum. I got some Bitcoin. I'm also, lo I'm also real long on Dogecoin. I said, okay, pump your brakes, son, right? But, you know, he, he's making moves. And what I think is, is that one of the big perpetuations of crypto, that like, like mass social awareness, was that everybody's sitting at home, right? With, they're on their computers. Lots of time on their Lots hands. Lots of time in their hands. And, yeah. and oh, by the way, more money than I'm used to having. Correct. And I don't have to go to work for it. So I think that's what really, if you want to stop and think about it, that got, that got Bitcoin from like 6,000 to, you know, as high as it is now. Right. Yes. So anyhow, um, that's a great thing. And I just think that, yeah, because because it just tuned everybody into this whole thing, because also money was being debased. And that's another thing. You started talking to me when we uh, we met uh, a few weeks back. You said <clears throat> you said to me that you weren't exactly a fan of the money printing. So I want I, I, you know, I, I guess that <clears throat> your Second Amendment rights if you're going to fire firearms, you're going to be a second, uh, second A believer. And I guess you started listening very carefully with a, a, with a more, uh, shall we say, curated ear Correct. to what people were saying yep. as it related to your ability to actually exercise your Second Amendment right. I'm assuming that. And therefore your First Amendment rights as well. Right. So mm -hmm. let's, so, but then you started talking about the money printing, and it's like, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not words that come from some of your age who's not paying attention in a big way. Speak on it. I mean, it's it just like the money comes from somewhere. It has to, you know, I mean, it's just like and they're printing money and it's just devaluing the dollar. And as someone who has worked for myself for as long as I can remember, um, I needed to be able to, you know, look into a potential retirement plan. I don't have a retirement plan working for myself, you know. And so um, I, I, I just... Oh God, I, I guess I could go into this for a long time, but I, I decided to dive into crypto because of that. But um, the printing of money was, it was just, is my dollars, is, is the actual physical dollar, I don't even know why these are sitting here, but are the physical dollars. That's $20,000, show them, show the on. That's $20,000, that's $20, right? <laughs> Oh yeah. 
$20,000, right? And it's not worth $20,000 anymore. Here, since we're talking about it, why don't you hold it? Why don't you look at that and then show it to Travis? You know what that is? $100 trillion. Weren't they going to mint a coin? No, no, no. Don't, don't get into that nonsense. Uh, that's a, yeah, yeah. I, like a physical coin. Yeah. Platinum. I, 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 Where, this way? No, right there. Your coin's right coin. there. That's what they're talking about. You said yeah. show it to Travis. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did say that. I did say Travis that. Travis, look. I'm used to my <laughs> camera. So, so that's, that's the $100 trillion bill in the Bank of Zimbabwe. Do you know what it buys? Three eggs. Three eggs. Yeah, we could, have, we could share a meal. If, How did you get this? That's really cool. None of your business, actually. Uh, okay. Sorry. Wow. Sorry. Should, should, I guess it's time to end the show, yeah, right? Well, I just, should, we, should we end the show? Like a dollar. Oh, yeah. my God. You gave her a dollar. I think the, I think the guest was rude. No. <laughs> no. Um, Don't listen to him. So, so it, yeah, but go on with that. Yeah, just, so I had... Um, Going into the pandemic, I'm all like, I don't know if my dollar, my physical dollar is going to be worth something or it's going to be the digital currency like in my bank account, like, you know, credit cards and so on, you know, the money in my bank account. I don't know which way I should do. So I had half my money buried in the backyard and the other half is um, in my bank account. And then and then I started. Really wait, 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 wait. Literally buried in your backyard. No, but I'm just okay. Just me metaphorically, no, no, I didn't want people come to show up now, in my ba backyard. But I do have come cash. No, I we, do have we, like I've speak. I've spoken to people. We've had guests on this show that literally bury money. So, I mean, I'm just saying. I just am the one who would forget. Cash. She kept I cash out of the bank so correct. that she could access it when. Yeah, correct. But I would she probably forget if I buried it. I would. Forget what What's your at. opinion on gold and silver? I mean, it seems... If you even have one. I, I don't necessarily have okay. one. Okay, all right. I don't necessarily have one. I mean, it's like silver has gone up in price. Copper is more than a penny. A, a penny has more copper in it than is valued at a penny. Yeah, no, yeah. basically, if you could get copper pennies, right, you could get a, 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 a penny point six for it. So yeah, that's, a, a lose, uh, once yes. again, a losing proposition for the United States government. Yep. I never figured that we'd run out of that. So yeah. you... Uh, <clears throat> You recently uh, were hired on to be a um, social media manager for an NFT company, right? Talk yeah, about that. Yeah, I was creative director and social media manager for uh, Maxim NFT. Okay, and, and how did that come about? Um, John Orlando. Right? <laughs> John Orlando. He manipulated me, actually. Are we going to use that well, word? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Manipulated? Yeah. yeah. John Orlando? It seems yeah. a little yeah. strong for John uh, Orlando. I think, uh, you know I mean... <laughs> The guy is a strong salesman, you know. I'm getting high from this um, this um, sanitation that they did on the microphone. It's like wafting. Uh, they don't sanitize Hold the microphone. On a okay. This one, this one, sm I smell it. Like it's maybe your mic doesn't get sanitized. Hey, hold on a second. <laughs> I'm getting high off it. I mean, it's you can blame Travis for that being dirty. Okay. Somebody bring needs to bring order to this anarchy conversation. <laughs> Are you speaking poorly about John Orlando and saying Not at all. Say no. no, I'm very positive about me man manipulating. It was a great thing. <laughs> okay, so let's hear about Are how you welcome the manipulation. So, oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, well, hold on a second. And I'm just, I, I, I'm all about a shameless plug. So me and David, the owners of Bitcoin, uh, sorry, blockchain recruiters, we actually got the search for the CEO of Maxim NFT. And we actually, we, we considered several candidates and we, we told them under no uncertain terms that John Orlando is the person you will be hiring. And then when they met John, they believed it. So, et cetera, et cetera. And since we're talking about that in jobs, right? 
I mean, what you need to know is if you're looking for a job in crypto, right, and you're thinking, I don't know what skills I have and I've got the passion, send me an email, davidj at blockchainrecruiters.net. All right. And if you're watching this on uh, Twitter, I'm sorry, Twitter, <laughs> YouTube, YouTube TV. You, you see, it's all the same. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. watching it on YouTube. Right there it is. David J at blockchainrecruiters.net. Yeah. Remember, net, 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 because if you don't actually use the net, you won't be in my net. And or, uh, or Dave at blockchainrecruiters.net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's willing to, to carry the water and chop the wood, right? And if you actually uh, have a any type of project, blockchain project, NFT project, whatever your project is, and you need, you know, the people, we got them. We aggregate them. So just so you understand what separates us, we are our resources. We're constantly aggregating people throughout the entire world. We're putting them in our database and we're putting a phone number and an email to them. Right, and then when we get certain searches, right, and pretty much it's always the twenty same things. It's full stack developers, blockchain engineer, it's community managers, it's it's media compl compliance, social, right? Social media manager, BD, it's all yeah, it's always that manager. same stuff. Yeah. So anyhow, that's the good word from our host, blockchain recruiters. And if you guys want to reach me specifically, I'm at the BTC recruiter on Twitter. Now I know how to find that. So anyhow, so tell me about uh, this manipulation. And I'm going to defend John's honor. Oh, no, it wasn't a bad thing at all. Like, I loved the manipulation. Oh, okay. But, um, cruel, uh, cruel to be kind? Unless, unless he was just saying it to be nice, but he said he handpicked me for it. He already had me in mind for the position. Well, I, I, I do want to say that I am a little disappointed because when he told me that he needed a social media manager, I said, of course, you're going to reward the same recruiting firm that got you the position by giving me the search. And he says, yeah, about that. Position's already filled. That's what he said to me. I said, so who is it? He goes, well, she doesn't know, but it's her. We literally had the conversation. Oh, so see, I told yeah. you he didn't manipulate I don't know me. that that's a manipulation. I don't know, no, I don't know if I consider it a manipulation. No, 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 but you got to hear the story. Yeah, so, let's start from the beginning. So John puts out on um, Facebook, he puts out a, a post and he says, I'm looking to create an NFT podcast. Does anyone out there, ha you know, who knows about NFTs? Make sure. And he said, make sure you DM me. And so I'm going to be a punk. And I go on to his, his <laughs> post and I say, I know all about NFTs. I've done months and months of research. Um, I'm selling my NFTs on the blockchain currently. But I'm just going to be a punk about it and not send you a DM. I'm just going to post on your wall here. And I think it was about five minutes later, he texted me or messaged me on Facebook. I don't remember. And he said, I need you to host an NFT podcast for me. And, he's all, and, and when we met up about it, I was out of town. I don't remember where I was. I was traveling. And we met up about it. He's all like, I go, who else are you considering? He's all like, no one. He's all, I picked you. He's all, I just wanted you to respond. <laughs> so, so he didn't have to convince me. Mm. You know, he put it up on Facebook to see if I would respond. Sure enough, I responded. You know, I, I took the bait, hook, line, and sinker. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he just, he just needed to confirm his hunch that you were the right. Correct. Right well, he, or that I would even be interested in it. And, you know, he didn't have to go to me and say, hey, I want to convince you of this. He instead mm. had me come to him. So, so that's why I say he kind of manipulated me. It's kind okay, of so I would I, say he deleveraged you in your negotiation, mm -hmm. but you mm -hmm. probably got it back. So 
You've said so a couple things. So you are the social media director for uh, Maxim NFTs, which John is the CEO of, right? Mm -hmm. And you all, but also mm -hmm. we we're talking about that. But we went from how did you, he manipulate you to be the social media director of that to I'm hosting a podcast. It's like you know you're. I mean, you're just an enigma. We never know where you're going to turn. Right. I'm all over the place. I can do anything. Yeah. I, 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 I can. We believe the, you. The uh, Swiss Army knife <laughs> of <laughs> social media. We so believe you. Yep. So, but anyhow, uh, I don't know. Are we talking about the NFT podcast? Are we plugging that now? Or are we talking about, you? I'm really trying to talk about Maximum NFTs, but you seem to keep uh, <laughs> Jeff. Oh, I don't mean to go to the podcast. No, that, no, that's no, 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 no. There's, there's just so the story. there's just so many clowns just, in your car at the circus. Just they just keep the coming out. Okay, here's the question. Thank okay, you. what's the question? Yeah, co-host. How did you get on? How did you get into NFTs with Maximum NFT? Yeah, let's let's go there. What are you doing for that? What, okay, so um, after we met, we met to discuss because he just was wanting a podcast host, and then we sat down and we had a conversation, and he realized I think he realized how much and how involved I am in NFTs. And he said, well, what about, we talk about social media and you know, you coming on as creative director. And um, I was open to the idea. I haven't had a, like an on paper job in over 10 years. I've been working for myself for a very, very long time. So for me to consider it, it has to be a, a, a position that's very interesting to me. And I, I believe in NFTs. I believe in where they're going. I believe in the utility of them. Um, I think there are so many different facets to NFTs. Stop. What's the utility of NFTs? My audience would love to know. Um, I, I utilize um, the idea of buying tickets as NFTs. I utilize that as a good description to it. And um, when you buy an NFT, you're buying a... Um, Say piece of art. So it could be, say you want to go see a band and you love this band and they have uh, art designed and then they sell those as, as their tickets to their concert. Well, once it's in your wallet and you show up to the concert, I truly believe the utility there is endless because not only that night at the concert can they decide to upgrade seats to winners directly. Hey, check your wallet. See if you've been upgraded. And then they can do any number of giveaways like that. Um, and then after the fact, oh, you came on tour. You followed us like you followed the Grateful Dead. You went to over 10 of our concerts and you have those in your wallet to prove it. Now you are, you know, you get this meet and greet that the next concert you You're go to. Super fan kind of thing. Yeah. Correct. Like, I mean, there's so many different That's ways. That's such a cool analogy the way you just explained there's it. There's so many different ways to add utility to NFTs that I just, just, I just, it, it blows my mind. And I yeah, come like, up with great ideas all the time for it. Like, just uh, ask you. Uh, yeah. Mark, yeah, just ask me. Have you, have you, have you heard about this? So Mark Cuban, he believes in NFTs, right? He's, oh, he's so very he, much into what, it. But he's, he's, he's doing it from like a pragmatic, well, I, I think it's pragmatic also, but he's doing it from the standpoint of, you know how tickets get scalped? Right, you can. You can I used to be a scalper. I know. I know. Right, so you get a ticket, you sell it on StubHub. It's you know thousand times the price of what you bought it for. Right. What he's trying to do is he's trying to get paid for that ticket going on those markets. He gets that ten percent royalty. He gets a royalty off of that because what happens is you buy a ticket, then he gets cut out as the uh, as the business owner in terms of hey, I sold these are my these are my tickets for my my uh, my products. Right. Yep. Yeah, so. he's not wrong. It's yeah, it's it's very disruptive, right? So, and you know, the crypto space. You know, who's not going to like it? <clears throat> like I said, 
the, 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 the federal bank, right? The treasury. Politicians. Which hey, I... Well, hold on a second. Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster's going to hate it. Ticketmaster will do their own NFT yeah, platform. They'll, yeah, they'll do that. I, I mean... Here's they'll have thing. to. They'll have you, to adjust. You buy, you buy your ticket on Ticketmaster. It goes into the app. You go scan it when you walk in the door. How is that any different that, than an NFT? No, 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 but but I'm going to say that the Rolling Stones will do their own NFTs as it relates to playing at the, the MGM versus the Staples Center. Yeah, but and, they're not going to build their own platform. They don't need to. Correct. They don't need to build their own platform. Absolutely, they don't. You watch. I think Ticketmaster. No, sponsor on certain platforms. Probably. I, I think they get paid for being I, on. You platform. heard it here first. Ticketmaster is going the way of the cab driver for Uber. But anyhow, I think Ticketmaster will make their own platform. Personally, why well, wouldn't they? Well, you know, if Ticketmaster needs some people to actually program that wax uh, catalog, <laughs> you could call David James yep. at uh, yeah. at the BTC recruiter <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> call David James. Right. Yeah. 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 that plug yeah. in. I, I would not let anybody, like John Orlando, I would not let anybody speak poorly about Ticketmaster. I, you know, death first. I will, I will defend your honor, Ticketmaster, because, you know, I'm, I, I'm as loyal as a mercenary. So, anyhow. Um, Can we talk about how Visa got involved in NFTs? I don't think we have any choice. Do you, David? No, when she says it like that. No, absolutely not. So, do you know that Visa bought a CryptoPunk? I know that. Yeah, I was yeah. aware. Visa bought a CryptoPunk. That was their first foray into NFTs and um, crypto, I believe. And uh, it was, it was when you buy a CryptoPunk, it's like a flex. You're just flexing on your wallet. You're flexing on what you have. And Visa did that, I think, as a marketing ploy. It was like totally a marketing thing. Like because they're, now, like they're hip. They're hip to it. Is what they're saying. Exactly. Yeah. It was their. It was their first saying. You know, first like I'm in the room. I'm here. Right. Yeah, and it was Tracy. I, I, we're running out of time, but yeah, I mean, we could go a whole whole. She's oh, fascinating, right? We yeah. could talk for hours. Yeah, no, you're, you're, she's the like the guest that just keeps on guesting, right? <laughs> and and, and, and a we good might way. have to we might have That's to it. categorize our, our yeah, you're, you're definitely our, coming. our future tr uh, future um, podcast. Yeah. Hey, who do we have coming next week? Can you just cancel them? We're going with Tracy <laughs> again. Uh, Travis, uh, I think we have got Kanye West coming next week. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that, yeah. New, uh, NFT line. Get yeah. rid of ask ask him if we we can bump him he's gone from suited to booted we've got tracy lee tell yeah. him he'll understand we can move bill gates too yeah um so anyhow just bill before gates. as we wrap up what i wanted to say to you is is like so what do you see for maximum nfts and why did you get behind that well um i'm a huge networker and i do all the stuff that that they want me to do I do that stuff all the time and I'm really good at it. So it's whether it's um, coming up with ideas and, you know, putting people together and, and make it happen. And I just do all that stuff anyway. So when that opportunity is, first of, like I said, I believe in NFTs. I know they're the way of the future. I know they're going. And I've told countless friends who don't believe in them. I said, you don't have to believe in them. Everybody else already does. So you don't have to believe that yeah, right. this is worth this. You don't have to believe the, in gravity. The perceived value is already there. You believe that that, that bill right there is worth a dollar or a hundred or 20,000, whatever that well, is. It, it was. It, it was. was. It but was you believe it. that and that's all perceived value. I believe in NFTs and all these other people believe in NFTs. The value is already there. Well, that, that's the same thing as real estate in Malibu, right? Versus the perceived Mal value. Well, it's, it's called agreement. It's, yep. not, it's, it's agreement. We all agree that a house in Malibu, is 1,600 square feet, is worth $20 million. No, we all agree that. And if you don't agree, there's somebody else who's going to come to agreement. 
right? And so that Correct. it's that's what we're yeah, talking in the form about. of payment. Yep. Right. No, right. It, it's it's agreement of value mm-hmm. and worth. Yes. Yeah, but then payment payments the, the right, byproduct. but payment is what makes it so. Like, I mean, uh, agree. Yes. yes. And I, and so I tell my friends or I tell people I talk to, get past the part where you believe it or you don't believe it because you don't have to. Get to the point where you either jump on the train or you get left behind. That's where it's yeah. at. I, be, I believe I believe I'll be able to get there without the train. Good luck with that, <laughs> right? So, yeah. but anyhow, hey Tracy Lee, how can uh, people uh, find you if they want to hire you for photography or some of your other or many, Max Men of Tea multi, or, yeah. just so multifaceted? A cello, ballerina, <laughs> motorcycle racer champion. I do love to dance. Yeah, gun specialist. Yeah. yeah, shooter. Yeah, I do oh, a lot. Yeah. I do a lot. No, biathlete, right? Uh, she, she. <laughs> so, how do uh, everybody reach you, Travis? Do you have her social? Can you put it up? So I just launched this um, Instagram. This is also my Twitter, and um, I have a Facebook page for it too. It's new. Well, for so people, it people on Apple and Spotify, it's can you uh, tell Tracy more? Lee NFT, and that's the same across all three platforms. So Tracy Lee NFT. Actually, that's also on TikTok. So I've been doing videos about different generative projects and so on and so forth. And um, yeah, you can reach out to me there. You know, I mean, all you have to do is search on Instagram Tracy Lee, and I come up at least five or six times. Yeah, that's the Tracy Lee. Don't confuse it, right? <laughs> right. You'll, you'll, and then there'll be Tracy Lee, then it'll be Bruce Lee, right? That's so, my dad. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Bruce okay. Lee. Yeah. Bruce Lee went to Jamaica <laughs> yeah. on I used, vacation. Yeah. I used to tell. Looking, looking thought, for school thought, teacher. I thought he was Chinese. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to tell everybody in the uh, that, like, that was my dad. Yeah. And people were like, that's why she's cage set at the UFC. They believed yeah. it yeah. because yeah. Spirit, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, they believed it because yeah. I said it. They were Brandon like, that Lee's. makes sense. They couldn't understand why I was cage side. But once I said that Bruce Lee was my dad, they're like, uh-huh. that's why she gets cage side. Brandon, Tra- Travis, are there any adults team. left in this room? Uh, no, actually. So Tracy Lee, I'm serious. On behalf of a uh, bit about crypto and blockchain crypto, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you so much for having me. I yeah. look forward to coming back. Uh, yeah, you were really busy. Indeed. I'm really glad I was able to get you in. Travis, our engineer, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And as it always go, David Hampton, Robo Recruiter, thanks again for coming out for the week. Eternally grateful. And as you guys know, I'm David James. And remember, everybody, can't whisper. Can't whisper.